Orthodox Journey. A missionary activity of the Greek Orthodox Christian Society, working under the Greek Orthodox Archdiocese of Australia, presents The Neo-Martyrs, a podcast series exploring the lives, times and virtues of those saints who witnessed for Christ under Ottoman rule. This is The Neo-Martyrs. The end of the Ottoman Empire was long in the making. The first signs of its weakness came in the 1560s at the Siege of Malta. This was the first battle that the Ottoman Empire had lost to the West, and this was followed by their defeat at the naval battle of Lepanto, which marked the high point of the Ottoman Empire. What happened next was the Enlightenment and the development of the idea of the nation-state. This started in Western Europe, mainly in France, and spread from there. It reached the Ottoman-occupied territories in the late 1700s and started to take hold in the minds of the Greek intellectuals, pushing them to seek freedom from the Ottoman yoke. One of these intellectuals was a man named Erigas Fereos, who wrote a war cry, Athurios. Until when are we, O brave young men, going to live in constraint, lonely like lions on the ridges of the mountains. Shall we dwell in caves, just looking out at the branches, leaving from the world into the bitter slavery? Do we lose our brothers, homeland and parents, our friends, children and all of our kin? Better one hour of free life than forty years of slavery and prison. Ferreos was killed by the Turks, but the fervour of Greek nationalism could not be contained for long. There were failed revolts, but in 1821 they started one that would succeed with the help of the great powers of Great Britain, France and Russia. Greece was also growing in this time, taking more and more land off the Ottomans. During the War of Independence and the later wars and revolts against the Ottomans, the persecutions against Christians increased drastically. One of the neo-martyrs of our church who met his fate during the revolt in Crete against the Ottoman Empire in 1866 was St. George of Alikianos. Born George de Volis in 1846 in the town of Alikianos in Crete, St. George was the son and grandson of a priest. He had a sister and a brother John who was blind. He didn't have much of an education, only enough to be able to read. His days consisted of working in the fields, planting vineyards from sunrise to sunset. After his dinner, he would read the Synaxaria, 
the lives of the saints until midnight and would read them to John. His parents told him to rest so he could work, but he refused, saying, I will neither rest nor sleep well without being filled up from the divine reading first. His brother John once caught him praying after he read the life of a great martyr. He was praying to God that he might also shed his blood for the love of Christ. John reproached him, but George said nothing and stayed strong. That was in 1865. In 1866, there was a revolt against the Ottomans across all of Crete. George took part in the revolt as a courier, taking letters and messages from one place to the next. On February the 5th, 1867, George was in the village of Furnes, next to Alikianos, when the Pasa, the Turkish leader, surrounded the town and captured the rebels. It was George's turn to be examined, and the Turkish offer examining him, Muladzi Barkes, was from the same town and had known George and his family for years. He asked George to do one job for him, which was to convert and become a Muslim Turk. George laughed and refused, saying that he would rather die than change his religion. He then reminded George of his family, his sister and his blind brother. He tried to get George to think of who would look after them if he was killed, because his parents were old. George responded that he was born a Christian and would die a Christian. He then said to Mulatsi Barkes that he should become a Christian. He finally said that if he were martyred, he would be better able to protect his sister and his brother because he would have boldness before Christ, who would protect them in thousands of better ways. Then a Christian officer called Fulganakis told George to convert and then go back to being a Christian when he returned home. George responded to Fulganakis, asking him if he feared God at all and telling him that he could not anger Christ in such a way. They brought him back in front of Mulatsi Barkes, who asked again if he would convert to Islam. George said no, and said, I was born a Christian, and as a Christian shall I die. I am not renouncing my Christ. I am not going to become a Turk. I am not leaving my most radiant faith, that I might believe in your most animal-like and dark religion inspired by satanical deceit. George was handed to the executioners, who tried to get him drunk. George said no, and told them that he would need to have his senses with him for the contest that he would be undergoing. So he waited calmly and patiently, glorifying God. He even laughed and thanked the executioners. He asked to be cut into more pieces than the others. They started with his hands, then his ears, his nose, his tongue, his feet, and then his eyes. Finally, they cut off his head at the age of 21. We celebrate the feast day of St. George of Alikianos on February the 7th each year. The same bravery and courage that were shown in the rebellions against the Ottoman Empire were shown by neo-martyrs such as St. George. However, that bravery was not just present in the open battles against the Ottomans, but was also present in smaller battles, even within his own household. St. George's spiritual integrity gave him the willpower to stand up when it mattered. The willpower and self-sacrifice of the neo-martyrs provides a strong contrast to the world today.
which promotes comfort and leisure as its highest ideals. It may be worth asking how we can emulate the neo-martyrs in this aspect of our lives. How can we increase our willpower? How can we stand for the truth? How can we sacrifice ourselves for others? How can we be like St. George of Alikianos? The struggle against the Ottomans in Crete came to an end in 1867 at the Akardi Monastery near Rethimon, and it was not the last time that the Greeks would face persecution from the Turks because of their faith. After the Greek War of Independence, the Ottoman Empire fell into dire straits. It lost Crimea to the Russians in the Crimean War in the 1850s, and by that point, Egypt was Ottoman in name only. Romania became free in 1879, Serbia followed in 1882, and Bulgaria also gained its independence in 1908. In the meantime, Arab nationalism was growing in the Arabian Peninsula, and the Ottomans lost the war to the Italians who seized Libya. With all the successes of the subject peoples against the Ottomans, there was a reaction in the Ottoman Empire. In 1908, the Young Turks, a Turkish nationalist party opposed to the Sultan, staged a coup and took over the Ottoman Empire, turning the Sultan into a puppet with all the power being exercised by the Ottoman Parliament. This changing of the guard had fatal consequences for the non-Muslim peoples of the empire. Persecutions of the Armenians, Greeks and Assyrians increased at once. These grew even further after the successful First Balkan War in 1912, where Serbia, Montenegro, Bulgaria and Greece united, and as a Balkan League, waged a successful war against the Ottoman Empire. It was in this war that Greece liberated the regions of Epirus and Macedonia and parts of Thrace and united them with Greece. When the First World War started in 1914, the persecutions expanded and reached genocidal levels. It is estimated that around 750,000 Greeks were killed in the years between 1914 and 1922. After the end of the First World War, the defeated Ottoman Empire was contained to the area that is ruled by the current Turkish state. It had lost Arabia, the Holy Land and Mesopotamia. Greece was rewarded with yet more land closer to Constantinople. Yet there were still many Greek areas under Ottoman rule. For this reason, Greece decided to go to war in 1919 to take these lands. The Greco-Turkish War began in 1919, and the Greek armies were initially very successful. They took the Greek parts of Asia Minor and the predominantly Greek city of Smyrna, and the Turkish armies were in disarray. It was at this point that the king of Greece died from an infection and parliamentary elections were held. There was a change in prime minister and the approach to the conflict changed. Instead of recovering and settling for taking Greek areas, the new approach was to push into Turkish-dominated Anatolia. This strategy was adopted, but the Greek armies were spread too thinly and the supply lines were too stretched. Mustafa Kemal, better known by the name of Ataturk, then brought the Turkish army into shape and started to successfully resist the Greek advances. After this, the Greeks kept being pushed back, 
and they eventually lost all of their conquests by 1922. Tragically, the city of Smyrna, which had more Greeks than the city of Athens, was burnt and destroyed, and thousands of Greeks were killed as revenge for the advances of the Greek armies. Among those killed in what is known as the Asia Minor Catastrophe was the ethnomata Metropolitan Chrysostomos of Smyrna. The saint was born in Bithynia in the year 1867, and from the age of 17 studied at the Theological School of Chalki. After serving as an archdeacon and chancellor, Saint Chrysostomos became the Metropolitan of Drama in northern Greece. On his ordination as a bishop, he said these prescient words, With all my heart and with all my mind, I will serve the church and the nation, and the mitre which your holy hands have placed on my head, if it is ever intended that the luster of its stones perish, will be transformed into a crown of thorns of a martyred hierarch. Because of his encouragement of the Greek population to build schools and churches, to retake Bulgarian-occupied churches, and to build centres for the community, the Ottoman Empire requested that he be removed from his office. In 1907, St. Chrysostomus was exiled by the Ottoman Empire and returned to his home in Bithynia. In 1910, after the Young Turk coup, St. Chrysostomus was elected Metropolitan of Smyrna. Once again, his words and his stances did not endear him to the Ottoman officials, and in 1914, after the outbreak of World War I, he was sent to Constantinople by the Turkish authorities. While there, he arranged for many Greeks fleeing the genocide to be resettled on the Greek islands. It was during this time that St. Chrysostomus also wrote a book to bring attention to the persecution of the Greeks in Asia Minor by the Young Turks. In 1919, after the conclusion of World War I, St. Chrysostomus returned to Smyrna. He continued to hold his firm beliefs and serve the local people and the refugees who fled to Smyrna as the Greco-Turkish War started to turn against the Greeks. On September the 2nd, 1922, he gave a sermon in the church of St. Fortini, saying, My brothers, the situation is critical, but God is great. Have faith in him. We are being tested, but let us not abandon our faith. On September the 10th, 1922, the Turkish army entered Smyrna. St. Chrysostomos had not fled, instead choosing to remain with his people. He was soon arrested by the commander Nureddin Pasha, who was an enemy of his. He was taken to the Ekitirio Square, where the Pasha addressed the crowd of Turkish soldiers, encouraging the crowd to lynch the aged hierarch. Without delay, the crowd threw themselves at St. Chrysostomos. Giles Milton, in his book Paradise Lost, Smyrna 1922, The Destruction of Islam City of Tolerance, passes on the following account of the tragic events by French soldiers who were witnesses of the martyrdom of St. Chrysostomos. The mob took possession of Metropolitan Chrysostom and carried him away. A little further on, in front of an Italian hairdresser named Ismail, they stopped and the Metropolitan was slipped into a white hairdresser's overall. They began to beat him with their fists and sticks and to spit on his face.
They riddled him with stabs. They tore his beard off. They gouged his eyes out. They cut off his nose and ears. The French soldiers were horrified but could not intervene. Their commander, who was under strict orders to remain neutral, had to point his revolver at them to prevent them from saving the saint. Saint Chrysostomus was eventually dragged into a back street where he passed away from his wounds. The life of Saint Chrysostomus was one which was lived for Christ and his flock. He lived so that he could maintain their traditions and their faith. This meant encouraging Hellenism amongst the local Greek Orthodox Christians who were under Ottoman rule so that both his people and their faith could survive. While St. Chrysostomus had many opportunities to flee what was almost a certain death, he would not abandon his flock. Their pain was his, and if they were to die at the hands of the Turks, then he would too. In the end, around 100,000 of his flock died at the hands of the last remnants of the Ottoman Empire. On November the 1st, 1922, the Ottoman Empire officially came to an end and was replaced by the Turkish Republic. Later, there were exchanges of populations which saw those Greeks who survived the genocide in Asia Minor, Pontus and Cappadocia sent to Greece. Among the many things they took with them were their icons and the relics of the neo-martyrs who witnessed for Christ in those areas. Tragically, 2,000 years of Greek civilization in Asia Minor came to an end. Greek Orthodox Christianity, which flourished in Asia Minor for so many centuries, was extinguished. The word for courageous in Greek, yaneos, means to be true to one's birth or descent. All Christians are born to be united with God, and showing courage in the face of persecution and temptation is the ultimate form of courage. All of the neo-martyrs, men and women, were bold and not willing to surrender. They saw their fight for Christ as clearly as a soldier sees a battle taking place in front of him. Saint George of Alikianos, Saint Chrysostomos of Smyrna, and countless other neo-martyrs exhibited that bravery as they met their end. While the heroes of the Greek Revolution and of later wars who fought for the freedom of Greece, are worthily remembered, we should not forget these saints who inspired the people to preserve their traditions and stand firm in their Christian faith. We should also not forget all of those unknown neo-martyrs who were killed in the final years of the Ottoman Empire and the first years of the Turkish Republic, martyrs whose only crime was to refuse to abandon the faith of their fathers. hope you've enjoyed this edition of The Orthodox Journey. To keep up to date with our podcast, subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or head to orthodoxjourney.com where you can find even more Orthodox articles, talks, sermons and podcasts.